Brethren, as I mentioned before, today is a special day. A day of joy, a day of particular thanksgiving. Today is a day where we get to witness and participate in the baptism of a redeemed child of God following her profession of faith in Christ. Today, as, as much as it's possible in this life, we get to witness the new birth. One who has been born again. The resurrection to spiritual life. Eternal life. Today we get to see the gospel take tangible form. Visible form. Physical form. In the waters of baptism as we see a believer descend into that watery grave. Die with Christ. Only to be resurrected as He was. To walk in newness of life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's a day where we get a, a fresh reminder. You know, in a world full of sin, sorrow, chaos, when the world is happening out there, what does the future hold in a sad day, in a chaotic day, in a sinful day? We get this fresh reminder, this assurance that the gospel is still going forth with power, that God is still raising new sinners to life, that Christ is still building his church. That the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not only all this, but also today, we have the privilege of remembering our own baptism if we are in Christ. We might be reminded that just as surely as the waters wash away the filth of the body, so our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we too possess that reality and hope of eternal life. Today's a special day, and my hope, my prayer is that for all of us here today, this will stir you up to greater love for God, greater commitment, joyful commitment to live for Him. Let us set our minds on the ordinance of baptism. I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll look at verses 12 through 13. Uh, let me just say that in the history, the short history of our church, this is the fifth sermon on baptism um, that I've preached, and they all kind of go together. Uh, you can't ever cover everything in one sermon. Um, and so, but they're all available on sermon audio. So, if you have a question about our doctrine of baptism, why we don't baptize infants, for example, why we hold that baptism is a means of grace, why we believe that baptism and church membership go together, if you have questions about that, I, I just encourage you to go back and listen to a few of those or come talk to me afterwards. Can't cover everything, and that's true today as well as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because um, I'm not going to do a full exposition of this passage. I'm really going to use it as a jumping off point. I know that sounds bad, but we're going to skip around a little bit just to draw out a few particular truths about baptism so that we can get a grasp upon what is happening and what we're witnessing here this morning. But first, let's hear from the Lord Himself. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13. Rather than this, 
Though I am the reader, God himself is the speaker. Receive this as God's word. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Amen. Bow with me again in prayer. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we stop, we, we stop, we put a hand over our mouths. Lord, we, we chase away any distractions of heart and mind to listen to you. We are listening. We pray that you would speak. We pray that you would speak to each one of us here today. We pray that you would strengthen the faith of your people. We pray that you would grant repentance and saving faith to those who have not yet bowed the knee to you in faith and repentance. We pray that you would have compassion upon us. Compassion according to your steadfast love. Compassion for the sake of your glory. Pray, Lord, that you would speak. Hear us, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, no matter what you believe about baptism, no matter what church tradition you come from regarding baptism, it must be said that baptism is a way in which the church preaches the gospel to the world. Baptism is a visible sermon. It is a theater in which uh, illustrates and announces the gospel that we preach and the gospel that we believe. I fear that so often in our day, in all of our debates over baptism, and trust me, I went to a Presbyterian college and a Presbyterian seminary. I was born and bred in those types of environments. I'm familiar with the debates. I fear that in all of the debates, often we tend to overlook this very simple and very critical point. Baptism preaches the gospel. So in the gospel that we preach, how does a person receive forgiveness of sins? How is a person united with Christ in his death and resurrection? How does a person receive the Holy Spirit? How does a person enter the kingdom of heaven? As Reformed Baptists, when we baptize upon only upon a profession of faith, we declare the same gospel in the waters that we declare in the pulpit. And that is, the only way of salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else, no matter what household you come from, or what the church you're a part of, or what ordinances or rituals you participate in, nothing else commends you to God. Apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. Apart from faith, it's impossible to draw near to God. But more than that, trust me, it's not my point today. More than that, baptism not only announces to the world how one enters the kingdom of heaven, baptism also announces to the world what we believe about the Christian life. When we baptized upon a profession of faith, we are declaring that faith is the ground, faith is the prerequisite, faith is the starting point of everything else that follows in the Christian life. There is no preparation for salvation. 
We are declaring that through faith, on the basis of faith, God has called us to walk in newness of life, a life that is full of the Spirit, and a life that is lived out in the context of the local church. And this, brethren, is what I want to call your attention to this morning. So often in our day, baptism is separated from repentance and faith. So often in our day, baptism is separated from the obedient life of faith that must follow. So often in our day, baptism is separated from the Christian life lived out in the local church. It's almost as if you can be baptized and whether you're a member or part of a church is optional. But then these things must not be. For here in this passage, the Apostle Paul makes a direct link between baptism, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and the new life that we are called to live out in the context of the local church. Here we see that conversion to Christ, baptism, and the faithful Christian life, they're inseparably linked. They are linked to the communal life in the body of Christ and participation in the gifts and graces, the Spirit-filled community of the local church. And that is part of the visible sermon that we will witness here this morning. I want you to see how baptism preaches the one being baptized into all of us here as well. Gospel message. So three points today I want us to consider, just three things. First, let us consider what is happening in baptism, what is being preached in baptism. In baptism, God is declaring that the old self has died. In baptism, as we will witness, God is declaring to this world, to this congregation, that the old self, the old man of Adam, the old flesh, has died. Now, to get there, here in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul mentions that we were baptized into one body, and the reference he makes is it's the body of Christ. His point at hand is to um, uh, bring out the relationship between baptism and the life in the local church. Uh, but before we get that, there's a greater, obviously, doctrine, an understanding of what it means uh, to be baptized into the body of Christ. And so to begin, I want to start kind of at square one. We had the scripture reading earlier from Romans 6. If you want to turn back with me there, you can. I want us to look at Romans 6. What does it mean to be baptized into the body of Christ? How is it related to the death of the old man? Listen to Romans 6.3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? What does it mean to be baptized into the body of Christ? It means to be baptized into His death. There is a direct link between baptism and death. Pretty easy to see and going under the water. Can't breathe down there. It's a picture of dying. But what does it mean, of course, to, to uh, uh, baptize into his death? We'll look here at verse 6 in, in Romans 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. 
God is declaring in baptism the death of self, the death of flesh, the death of the old man. In a very real sense, as we witness this baptism this morning, this baptism of a new convert, we are witnessing their funeral. The old self, the old flesh, goes down into that watery grave and is drowned. It is suffocated. It dies. Baptism is a uniting, uh, a union with Christ in His death on the cross. So that's kind of background, what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ. Of course, this is why we immerse as well. Sprinkling is an incomplete picture of the spiritual reality that's going on. Christ descended down into the grave. We in our old sinful self descend with him in faith. We die. Of course, we still have to drag around this old body of flesh until the resurrection. But of course, what it means is that the life and the vigor of the old man, that old sinful self, the life of it, it's, big, it's, it's, it's choked out, it's suffocated, and it's wasting away. Brother, and I bring this up because I want to remind you that baptism, whether you have been baptized or whether uh, you have not been baptized, baptism into Christ means the end of you. It's the end of you. You as you were before Christ died. Everything that is about you that is, that is broken and sinful and, and dirty descended into that grave never to rise again. That's what God is declaring to Caitlin today in her baptism. It's what God's declaring to all of us and reminding us of if we have been baptism, we have been baptized. Baptism means the death of the old self. I know we live in a day where live life on your own terms. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Live out your identity. And there's something really attractive to that. This kind of sounds like, ooh, kind of a buzzkill. What? That's the end of me? That's oppressive? But brother, when you realize that everything about you is filthy and sinful in the eyes of a holy God, and that everything about Christ is lovely and beautiful, it's the greatest truth in the world. You've died. Wrapped up in Christ. We also see in Scripture that baptism and personal repentance go hand in hand. And I mention this because we might be tempted to say, how do we know that our old self is dead in baptism? Is it the mere ritual that kills the old self? Is it just going undergoing the waters? Well, no, because baptism pictures a reality that has already happened in the individual, which is why in Scripture, in the New Testament, repentance and faith always go hand in hand with baptism. The Scriptures say that when we confess our sins, when we cling to Christ as our propitiation for our sins, 
That is when we are sure that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ananias told Paul, Be baptized and wash away your sins. Repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38. So when one stands before the church and says, I repent and trust Christ alone for my salvation, and they make vows to God in those baptismal waters, we can respond back to them with one voice, the voice of the church, and say, your sins have been washed away. Your body of flesh has died. This isn't something we hope to be true of you one day. This is something that is true of you now in the exercise of faith and repentance. And this is what baptism is preaching today. This is what we are declaring today to the one being baptized. And it's what God Himself is saying to you if you have been baptized today as well. That's why we say that baptism is a means of grace. It's necessary for something to be a means of grace. The Lord's Supper, baptism, even the preaching of the Word means nothing without faith. can't be a means of grace if there's no faith present. You know, baptism is not an, uh, a, a converting ordinance that doesn't save anyone. It's not a mere sign of what we hope to be true one day. When it is mixed with faith, it strengthens the faith of the believer. It's something to sanctify. It's something to, to, to nourish both the one being baptized and all of us of faith as we remember our own baptism. So I just want to press this upon you. And now, do you, do you struggle with your assurance of salvation? Does your remaining sin haunt you at times? Does it rob you of the joy of your salvation? Well, today is just for you then. That's why you're here. Hear the voice of God declaring to you, I've washed away your sin. Everything that is sinful about you is under the ground. It's dead. Take this opportunity to strengthen your faith as you witness this baptism. Strengthen your faith and renew your commitment to receive this gospel afresh and be reminded of it because we forget the gospel every single day. Rest upon that strong arm of the Lord as He's reminding you today, you are my child. Your old self is dead. Your sins no longer condemn you. Yet on the other hand, if you haven't been baptized, today's baptism preaches something very different to you. In this baptism, God is calling you to repentance. God is announcing that you are still dead in your sin. God is showing you judgment, death. Death to come where you will descend into that grave and you will not rise. You will undergo the baptism of eternal fire. I plead with you today, if you haven't been baptized, will you not listen to the Lord? Listen to his voice today? Would you, would you be content, cons, uh, content to, to die? To cling to the old self? I mean, are your sins really that precious to you? 
Is living life how you want to live really that amazing? The pleasures of this passing age, the enjoyments of sin, do they really satisfy you? Is it worth it that you would trade 70, maybe 80 years in this life for an eternity? Reason with me here. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Come come to the waters and live. Come to the waters and be washed of your filth. Come to the waters and die to yourself. You might live again and live for Him. So whether you're uh, uh, baptized or unbaptized today, you're not here by accident. God is preaching to you. Listen to the voice of the Lord in this visible sermon. Secondly, baptism also declares that new creation has begun. Old self is dead, but also new creation has begun. And again, I want to think back, what does it mean to be baptized into the body of Christ, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12? Well, again, uh, let's think of uh, Romans 6 first, before we turn back to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Look at verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. For what purpose? Why? In order that... In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. To be baptized into the body of Christ means to die in order that the consequences of the new life might follow. The old self has died, not just to die, to live again, to live in new creation. This is how baptism doesn't just declare that the one being baptized has been saved from their sin in eternity. It also declares that they are being saved. Now, in progressive sanctification. Here, a similar idea um, is uh, captured in, in Paul's words in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. One doing the action here, the one being baptized, that's something done to you, but the one being baptized is performing an action in their baptism. They are putting on Christ. That's an act of faith. 1 Peter 3.21 says the same thing, and that baptism is the appeal for a good conscience to God. The one being baptized is making an appeal to God. But here, look. Christ is being put on like a garment, like a new change of clothes. This is the new life. This is the new creation. That's why traditionally in the ancient church, those who were baptized were often adorned with white robes. In fact, many churches practice that nowadays as well. So to be baptized into Christ is to put on Christ in sanctification And it's not just to undergo the waters, it's an act of faith. It's an exercise of faith because we know justification precedes sanctification. Faith must come before good works. This is part of what baptism is preaching today. Those baptized are new creatures in Christ. New creation has begun. 
progression in holy living has begun. And it will one day terminate at the glorification of our bodies at the last day. Now again, you may say, well, how is this true? Is it just simply on the basis of undergoing that ritual of baptism? Well, no, again, how, do, how can we say someone has clothed themselves with Christ? How can we say that someone is a new creation? Well, it's, it's, it's on the basis of what baptism is illustrating, a reality that is already true of them. And we can see this from a few other passages. Um, first, if you're still in Romans, just flip over to Romans 8-9. Here, there's a flesh-spirit contrast. And Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know if someone is in the flesh, in the old man, or whether they are in the spirit of new creation? It is if the Spirit of God dwells in them. If the Spirit of God does not dwell in them, they are not children of God. It does not matter what kind of context they were raised in, born in, or what kind of church they are a part of. They are not children of God. In fact, this goes hand in hand with the promise of the new covenant. The new covenant, what was the promise of the new covenant? I'll give you my spirit. And you will know me. How do we know who's in the new covenant? If the Spirit of Christ indwells a particular person. Well, how do we know when the Spirit of God indwells a person? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The profession of faith. Jesus is Lord is evidence of the Spirit's indwelling. A genuine profession of faith, that is. Another example would be Acts 10.44. You're welcome to turn with me there if you want, or I'll read it. Acts 10.44. The context of Acts 10.44 is that Peter was sent by the Holy Spirit to preach to the Gentiles. And he's in the middle of a sermon here when something happens. Verse 44, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even among the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these, excuse me, these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The criteria and the basis upon Peter contents, uh, consents to baptize these particular people is the Holy Spirit falling, resulting in the extolling of God presence of the Holy Spirit, profession of faith, Jesus is Lord, and baptism always go together in Scripture in every single New Testament reference to baptism. So again, when 
Caitlin stands up today and extols God as she expresses faith in Christ alone, as she vows to walk in the Holy Spirit, and the church assents to this. We are saying the Holy Spirit indwells this person. And in that, God is declaring that a new creature has been born from above by the Spirit and are thus members of the new covenant and are thus recipients of the new covenant sacraments, the ordinances of baptism in the Lord's Supper. And the same is not just true of the one being baptized today, but it's true of you If you have been baptized, if you are in Christ today, you too have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You too are a new creature in Him. Brethren, this is incredibly comforting. It's incredibly assuring. We look at our bodies and our bodies are wasting away. They're weary. We look at our life and it's like, oh my goodness, for every two steps forward I take, I seem to take three steps back. Incredibly comforting because we look around and we see a world torn by sin and death and sorrow and pain. This old creation just saps every ounce of energy out of us. But if we confess Christ, if we call upon His name, if we cling to Him, we bear the marks of the Holy Spirit who is the agent of new creation. And we can be sure we are on the path of each other. We can have the confidence, even in the face of death, that one day Christ Jesus Himself will complete the work that He began in us. One day He will raise us from the grave. He will give life to our bodies. He will raise all of those in Him. So today we're witnessing the inbreaking of new creation into this age. God is showing us a little picture of how He's in the process of making all things new. Begins with the spiritual resurrection of our souls, pictured in baptism. And one day it will consummate with the physical resurrection of our bodies, pictured in baptism. And it will consummate in the full restoration of all the created order. At the day of our Lord. Brethren, listen to what God is announcing in baptism this morning. Nushin has broken into this age. Third and finally, I hope to bring this all together with our last point. Third and finally, in baptism, God is also declaring that a new community has been formed. A new community has been formed. And here's where we can get back to 1 Corinthians 12 here. And I hope that you'll see how it all comes together in these two verses, everything we've considered up to this point. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that we've been baptized into the one body of Christ. And in that baptism, we were made to drink of the one Holy Spirit. Again, baptism, the presence of the Spirit, which is evidenced by a profession of faith, always go together. We must not separate them. So baptism into Christ means that the old body is gone and that a new creation has begun. But look at the ramifications, the results of this here. Verse 12, the body is one, but it has many members. You see, the ultimate result 
is a new community. The church. In other words, the, the rite of baptism is to initiate a believer's entrance into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The many members of Christ's body refer to the spirit-filled community of God's people, where the gifts and graces earned and secured by the risen Christ are poured out on his body so that the body builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4. And this, too, is part of what we're witnessing today. That's why right after Caitlin's baptism, she will come down and with our other new members, recite her membership vows and become a formal member in this congregation. Now hear me, though. This is more than just saying that those who are baptized are part of the visible church. That does not do justice to what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that in this baptism, we've been made to drink of the one Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that has made Jew and Gentile one new man from the two. It is the Holy Spirit in Christ who is our peace and our reconciliation with one another. So baptism in faith is the initiation into the invisible church, the spiritual body of Christ. Uh, If you don't take my word for it, maybe listen to John Calvin here who wrote on this verse. Paul is, of course, speaking about the baptism of believers. Teaching that part of the meaning of baptism is to bring us into the body of Christ. And lest anyone might think that the outward symbol itself has the power to achieve this, Paul says that it is the Holy Spirit's work. Again, baptism Spirit, working together through faith, always goes together. So in our baptism uh, today, we are recognizing, again, that God has grafted this person into the mystical body of Christ. And just as that baptism manifests a radical change in the individual, brethren, it also um, manifests a change in the body as well. A change in us as well. Gifts and graces are added. Think of this next phrase here. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. One body in Christ Jesus. And this language here, Jews, Greeks, slaves or free, if you've been baptized, no longer is your ultimate identity, nationality or race. No longer is your ultimate identity, your family, or your lineage, or your household. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.16, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard them on the basis of new creation. This means that no longer is your ultimate identity, your social, economic, or vocational class. There's no slave or free. Galatians 3 even adds male or female in there. What is most ultimate about you? Your your gender, as male or female, gives way to an even greater identity. That your life is hidden in Christ. But far from being just an individual identity, this is a corporate identity. This is a communal identity. identity. Now now I'll say this because it's so frustrating in our day. Uh, 
often we hear about this idea of finding our identity in Christ, and so often it's a, it's a Christian twist on a very secular idea of individualism. Live out your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. And so often what is meant by that is just a Christianized version of don't let anyone criticize you. Only God can judge you. You can continue to live life on your own terms. But here we see, what does it mean to find your identity in Christ? It means, yes, to look and see in your baptism, your life is hidden in Him. But what does His life look like? What does the body of Christ look like? It is a body of many members. Church. Baptism calls us to find our ultimate identity in the church corporate. In the family of God. For the people of God, the church is their life. It is who we are. Everything in our Christian life flows out of our being part of that body. Our identity is formed. You know how sometimes we will find our identity? Our identity is formed in relation to our family, family name, family gifts, family social status. How much more should this be true regarding the church? Finding our identity in the community of God's people and and brethren. It's because community shapes us. This is why it's so important, practically speaking. Everyone is shaped by community. No matter who you are, the way that you think, the way that you evaluate things, look at reality, how you act is informed and shaped by the communities that you are a part of. The question is, what community then is shaping you? For the Christian, baptism is the inauguration of that life of faith that is lived out in the Spirit-filled community of God's people so that it shapes and molds and directs our life. Today, then, we have this visible word that, that announces that Christ is building His church, that He's adding gifts and graces to this body. We have this visible word of one being grafted into the mystical body of Christ, drunk of the same Spirit, and is part of our body. Body of many members. That's why, brethren, in baptism, God is strengthening the bonds of unity. The bonds of unity between Himself and the one being baptized, it's a means of grace. The bonds of unity between Himself and all of us who have been baptized as we witness this and strengthen ourselves in faith, and between Himself and all of us together toward one another as well as the body. So it's happening today. That's why we can speak of baptism as a reality-making ordinance. God's Word accomplishes and brings about what it proclaims to the eye of faith. That's why baptism announces the gospel. It preaches the gospel. The gospel that is the power of God and the salvation. Well, brethren, I want to leave you just with one closing exhortation as we draw this to a conclusion. I'm going to repeat myself here for a moment. 
I want to remind you as we conclude, if you're here today and you haven't been baptized, God is calling you to faith and repentance. That's why you're here. Listen to His voice and live. And if you have been baptized, why are you here? Because God is telling you, dear child, remember your baptism. Remember how the name of God was sealed upon you in those waters. Remember how your sins were washed away in those waters. Remember how the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon you like a flood of rushing water in those waters. Remember that a glorious future hope awaits you where you will literally rise from the dead as pictured in those waters. Remember that He has placed you in that fruitful, life-giving community of the local church along with the members and the gifts and the graces of the body where the presence of the Lord meets with His people on the Lord's Day, where He announces to you forgiveness and justification, sanctification and glorification every Lord's Day, where He shapes and He molds you and He makes you into everything He's called you to be every Lord's Day. Remember. Remember and, and, and receive and listen to God telling you what is ultimately true of you. Despite the doubts that you may have at times, despite the evidence that you may bring at times saying, well, I'm not this because of this. Listen to the voice of God about what is ultimately true of you. Because confident of these things, you can joyfully participate in this baptism you can, by the grace of the Lord, increase in your faith as well. You might be renewed. And that by the grace of God, you might bring holiness to completion in the fear of Him. That's the message of our God to us here in this baptism this morning. Well, may God give us the eye of faith to see. May He give us joy of this salvation as we participate in this ordinance together this morning. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do pray You would make Your chosen means of grace effectual to salvation. We pray that You would bless us with these eyes of faith, with a heart to believe. Oh Lord, we pray that You would help each one of us to renew our commitment to live for You not as if it's all us, but as we joyfully receive the promises of the gospel afresh. Oh, give us a heart of love that we may walk in accordance with your commandments and mimic following in the steps of our risen Christ as we live out our new created creation lives for the glory of your name. Strengthen our church, strengthen our faith, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.